Welcome to Help Me to Understand, a podcast where women give their voices to issues of social justice, political activism, giving back, and other topics relevant today. I'm your host, Felicia Garland. As you look around, you can't avoid the fact that we live in an age of political and social divisions, global warming, economic and racial inequality, and a breakdown in many of our social structures. And that was just this morning's news. I find it can be all so confusing, and I bet you do as well. Perhaps you'd like to make a difference in the world, even if only a small one, but you feel you need more knowledge and understanding around the issues we face in order to develop the tolerance, empathy, and compassion you need to become a force for good. It's my mission with this podcast to hear from women who are working every day to make a difference. So welcome, curious listener, to this journey of discovery and understanding. I'm so glad you're here. Together, let's become a force for good. Today, I'm speaking with Tanya Dietrich, an author and inspirational speaker about her latest book, This is Grief. Through her work as an author and speaker, Tanya inspires her audiences to consider how shifting one's perspective can result in less stress and increased resilience. In her blog, Simply Inspiring Perspective, she explores everyday topics through the lens of this alternative perspective. Tanya writes from her own experiences. In her first book, Waking Up with Nora, it's a memoir of her personal transformation resulting from her role as a grandmother to her special needs granddaughter. Her second book, and the topic for this conversation, is This is Grief. It presents the kaleidoscope of her personal experiences of grieving over the loss of her life partner. Tanya lives in Connecticut, near her two adult children and three grandchildren. Hi, Tanya. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Felicia. It's so good to be here with you. Thank you so much. Well, let's start. I did not give the full title of the book, but I will give it now because I think in many ways it just frames everything we're going to talk about and it really puts it all as you like to you know, do from a different perspective. So the full title is, This is Grief, When Breathing Hurts, Love Songs Suck, and Good Days Come with Guilt. So you write from your personal experience. So we, I think we need to understand why you think the death of a spouse or a life partner is so different than maybe other kinds of grief. And then tell us about, about the loss of weight. So first of all, let me just start with weight instead of the way you asked the question, just to give a backdrop, which is on New Year's Eve of 2018 at about noon, he just had a massive heart attack in our home and he died right in front of me and there was nothing I could do. So that's trauma. And that's a different, that brings other things to grief. Let's say when it's sudden like that. Talk about Versus that. prolonged someone's ill for many. Right. And, and, and you're a caregiver and yeah, all that. I think the caregiving thing, you step into grief very incrementally, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So what I think is different about partner grief, we have been together for 26 years. And I think the difference between, let's say, parent grief and partner grief, and I'm going to say childhood grief, God bless, I haven't experienced that. I have a little bit of that from grief is not only death. I have a special needs granddaughter. There's an element of grief in grieving her typical life. But a partner is 
you know, you don't sleep with your parents. You don't, they typically live somewhere else. Maybe they don't, but everything about partner grief, it impacts every single aspect of your life Mm -hmm. from food shopping to sleeping for us, coffee. And then there's finances that you have to jump into right away, depending on what your relationship is. So everything in your relationship absolutely changes. I mean, even taking out the garbage, for God's sakes, all of a sudden, everything's on you. And um, it's scary. It's really, really scary. And being my age, I'm not 20, 30, 40, 50. I'm in my 70s. Like, I don't have life stretching that far ahead of me. Who's going to take care of me? Think It's huge. It's a really big thing. You expect your parents at some point to die, but you fear that your partner will, I think. So the, as you said, life is so intertwined and we'll get into it a little bit at the end because I think there are some, I don't want to say cute, but poignant almost for someone who hasn't been through it, mercifully, I haven't been through it, almost kind of made you chuckle in a way, smile, but you realize it's kind of, you know, it's not funny, but you realize just how important it is. Your feelings in the book, they're very raw. You're very open. You really don't hold back on anything. Did you start this as a book? Did you journal and it turned into a book? Tell us about the just the process and kind of the evolution of it. So I'm a writer anyway. There's this quote, and I should be able to tell you who said it, but I can't, that says, how do I know what I think unless I hear what I say? And so I write to say, Mm -hmm. so it's an exploration. So I journal anyway, always have for a long time. But what happened to me where it first started was he died around noon. And by four o'clock, I was sitting at my desk writing because I had to speak to him. I needed to talk to him. I needed to tell him what I was feeling because he's the person that I told everything to. And so it was just crazy. So I started writing that way. And then I kept journaling and putting my feelings down because I needed to get them out. And by the way, 15 minutes of journaling over a period of 10 days is worth hours of talk therapy. And I've always found that to be true for me. So that's how it started. Did I know I was writing a book? No, I was just trying to get my feelings out. And they were things I wasn't going to say to a friend or whatever. I just needed, I needed that, that release. So that's how it started. And honestly, I don't know where it turned into a book, but the first book that I did about my granddaughter was the same way. So I guess it had some roots in in thinking that maybe someday it could be, but that's not why I did it. I did it for me. You did it for you. Did the, I'm curious at the conversations at first, again, as a writer journaling, I can see it's been a little cathartic once in a while when I, when I do it. And you, you spoke a lot to Wade. Right? Were you oh, angry? Were you I happy? But not happy. I'm forgive me. But were you angry with him? No, no. And okay. I, and that's one thing that I I think I wrote about in the book that I think when you're angry at the person, it, the grief is much worse. Mm-hmm. I was angry at some other people. Okay. And I knew that I'm aware enough to know that that was serving a purpose for me, a place mm-hmm. for you know some of that stuff. I let it go, and I talk about that in the book. Also, but my gosh, I mean, 
one of the most wonderful things about our relationship was our conversations because mm-hmm. he was a man who knew how to have a conversation and he knew how to listen. And so I was suddenly without that. And I still haven't found a replacement for that. So I'm still talking out loud to him all the time. And that's fine. You know, I, I've learned that a lot of people do. So it works yes. for me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sad that this is only an audio and we can't show a visual of the book because your graphic designer, when she designed the, it's just a beautiful book to begin with. Thank you. What you talk about and how you express yourself. That's amazing. But the way that she integrated some of the graphics and the photos and the artwork just brings it all home. There's one, I'll share a couple of things from the book. For instance, you write on one page. And in many cases, there's like one thought on a page, but it says, I'm sleeping on my side of the bed. The hump in the middle of our bed is just something else to get over. And that's written as a hump. Mm. And I just, you know, that kind of thing was, I thought was rather touching. Another one, and this is the one that made me smile. And I was able actually to apply some of your thoughts almost to having gone through a divorce mm-hmm. because it was very yeah, introspective. It's a, and you say, you were right. It is me. I'm the one who makes a mess out of the toothpaste tube. And it's just full of those introspective things that you, you saw, you see all the time. Do you still see them? Yeah, I do. And I think um, it's funny that you mentioned that quote because someone else did too. So I love to find out what resonates with people. But there's an element of this when you are spinning around in your own head and you're alone because I live alone. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's different when you have children to take care of. And I want to respectfully say that. But things go through your head that you're never going to say to anyone. And there's an element of crazy underneath it all. You, You feel crazy. And you have, I have these little thoughts and I think if I'm, I'm not that crazy. If I'm thinking things like <laughs> There might be other crazies in the world. <laughs> I think the one thing that was so uncharacteristic of me, and I wrote it in the book too, was we had a walk-in closet and six days, I think after he died, I opened the closet and I said, oh my God, I could have the whole closet to myself and I could care less about those things. And I thought, this is crazy. Where's this coming from? I got to write this down because this, this is comical. It's almost comical that I'm thinking this way because it's not me. So where's this coming from? So you do feel crazy. And I think I have, I think one of the things that makes the book different is that I'm not a therapist and I'm not a counselor. And I'm not a academic and I'm not any of those mm-hmm. things. And I haven't read or seen them anywhere else before. So this is a book of camaraderie and comfort. And I have gotten that feedback now from people who I don't know who have read the book. It's like, oh my God. I, I And so I, I appreciate that. And the tipping point was I bought all the grief books. All the, yes. The ones that define what grief is. And- well, I looked to see that they were, they were a lot of them by clinicians and there was a lot of things to do, but what really hit me was I, David Kessler wrote with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who we all know very well from the five stages of grief. So he knew her very well. And he'd been a therapist the whole time as well. 20 years more. Mm-hmm. And he said, 
and he counsels a lot of grieving people. And he said he never, until his son died of an overdose, he had no idea what his clients were feeling. And that's where, for me, the rubber meets the road with this book is, this is what it feels like. And no one's talking about this part. They can tell, maybe Mm -hmm. they'll tell you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. Just feel, you know, so that, that makes it different. That's why I think it's important. And that's kind of the reaction that I'm getting. And I will, I just want to say one more thing about the internal design. It didn't start out that way. And I can't even tell you how I got to the point where I said, Kim is my friend. She knew Wade. She's a fabulous designer. And I don't know at the point where I said, I think you need to carry this with me. And so I really appreciate her talent. Well, so it's not an advice book, as you said. It's just, again, the personal experiences, the fact that you're able to share them. And even if only one person feels the same way you did, it gives them some comfort, which then sort of begs the question, how should the book be used? Who would use it? How would you use it? So there are a couple of things of that in the thought process of the book. I don't know, honestly, from my own experience, which is really all I can go by, if I would have been out looking for a book for me mm-hmm. at that time. Maybe people do. I don't know. I think it's good for those people. But what I realize is that there are always friends of those people who are looking mm-hmm. to try to make help in some way, right? And right. There are flowers and there are casseroles. Casseroles like and that. yeah. I wasn't eating. So I didn't need that. But when Kim and I sat down to design the book, I said, let's let's think of this as a gift book. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's eight and a half by eight and a half, because it's it's larger, it's more beautiful. And so mm-hmm. what I'm finding is that people are buying it for friends. And who are going through this? They, my mm-hmm. friends certainly have a copy, but they're recommending it to other people. And I'm, you know, I'm in a lot of grief groups online, and mm-hmm. and they're buying it for themselves and for friends. So usually, when somebody sees it, they go, "Oh, mm-hmm. I know somebody who needs this book." This is me because they don't have as difficult as it is for someone who knows someone going through the experience. We're left with. In, in my case, again, because I haven't experienced this with anybody, looking at a card, looking at the casserole, looking at the flowers you said, and not being just almost paralyzed because you don't know what to do because you don't understand it. But to have somebody who's going through it give you the book, because it must be equally hard for you to have said verbally to somebody how you feel in a way that is meaningful as your little stories are meaningful. And I can I can offer a a couple of things surrounding that whole idea of of what people need and everyone's different. Let's face it, everyone's mm-hmm. different. But there's a couple of things I encountered and that I hear from other people who are in this situation. Again, I'm on a huge network of Facebook people who are grieving the same thing. And their mm-hmm. resounding comment is that their friends don't understand and then mm-hmm. people think they should be over it by now. And there are many things like that, right? So right. There's they, a, you only get to grieve for like two weeks. And, you and our, our society, forget about it. But your life just blew up and that's not how it works. So that 
understanding is is number one. There's another thing that if you have lost anyone, you might realize this, but I heard this before Wade died and I, I thought it was so brilliant. It was what people want is to be listened to. They want to talk about, that's why we have gatherings and wakes and, all, and memorials mm-hmm. because we need to talk about that person and we need to hear about that person. And that ends very quickly, but we still are carrying a lot of stuff that we want to talk about. And I think that that's part of the book. And one last thing is that I find, and, and you mentioned this to me in a previous conversation, the greeting cards out there seem to just not want to do it for you. I, it, they, they're, I don't oh know. Oh my God. They're right? awful. Yeah. So I actually created, I would love to create more greeting cards. That's sort of on my list, but I actually created a, a greeting card that I can't, it's not for sale anywhere, but I can offer sentiment. There's one page in the book, one of my favorite pages in the book, visually and everything. It just says love connections can never be lost. Oh. and. That's a beautiful sentiment. That's just a mm-hmm. beautiful, it goes for everything. And so the card is love connections can never be lost on the front. And you open it up and it says, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I care. Oh, well, and for somebody who finds those cards, those pre-written cards to, as you said, very impersonal, just doesn't say what you want to say. So I'll buy a blank card and I'll sit there and not know what to say. And I think, I have one of those Emily Post type books and she has a page of, you know, but it's nothing that's meaningful. But I like, even if you don't have the cards on your website, it'd be helpful if you had a few of those sorts of things, because that really helps. That really I helps will, give I you some. Definitely, I will definitely do that because I think I'm a writer and I struggle. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's... <laughs> well, to your point about the friends of someone who's grieving, and as you said, in ex- expecting that after some period of time, and everybody will probably have whatever that period of time is, you as the griever should be past it. And we don't know what to say. And you're, are you still not past it? I mean, there's certainly levels or, or intensity. I have a saying that I tell people, it doesn't get it that much easier. It just gets more familiar. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's more familiar now for me to go out and come home alone. Are weekends still crappy? Yeah, they're pretty crappy unless I, I make a thing. Mm-hmm. And the other page in the book is there's this line that grief is like a knapsack that I'm carrying all the time. Mm-hmm. Put it down from time to time. But yeah, it, it goes on. And when it's someone that you loved so deeply, it's not like divorce where you you know, that's a whole different... There was a little... Yeah, there's a little bit of anger time, there. Right, and anger. Yeah, right. And, and you find is, somebody new and it sort of moves on. Yeah, so it's different. So you feel like your Part of your life is just cut short. So you're grieving your own life and you're grieving that person. So it, it takes time and you just... You just do. You just... You know, I tend, honestly because it's my perspective and I watched myself go through this too. I tend when I get like that to fall into gratitude for being, for loving and have been loved the way that I was rather than what I lost. I go mm-hmm. to where, what was so good about it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that that works for everyone, but I think that that's a big secret to going on and think. 
I know at some point we we do need to wrap up, but again, there's so many interesting stories. And again, to show just how insightful and perspective you are to take little everyday things. Could you share the story of the lost glasses? Oh, that was, uh, oh, God. So I wear contact lenses, but when I don't have them, I have bifocal glasses. And I loved my glasses, number one. Sometimes you just have something you love. I love those glasses. And I had them for a very long time. And when I wrote my first book, Waking Up with Nora, I dedicated it to Wade, but I wrote a passage about my life with him, about how we sort of look through the same pair of graduated bifocals differently. Like he looks in one direction, I look in the other. But, you know, when you have graduated bifocals, Mm-hmm. things just kind of melt. And that's what right. our life was like. And so he had gone away uh, just before he died to Florida to visit his mother, who was, re- was recently widowed too. And when he came back, I picked him up at the airport. And some I, between then and the day he died, I lost my glasses. And I that's not like me. I called the places that we were. I I, I couldn't find them. And I felt like there was no coincidence. Like that was like the foreshadowing of me losing that, his side of my vision. Mm-hmm. And so it, that was the first outing that I did by myself was go out and buy glasses. And I went for myself. I went by myself. I didn't take anybody with me. And that was the first time that I tested telling someone in the outer world about my situation. And then I just sort of watched how bizarre that whole thing was. So that's the unfamiliar. Well, the story I think is wonderful. The response you get from people when you share that, I mean, people that you know well and family, it's one thing, but when you share it with people that aren't, but what kind of reaction do you get? Because we're again between the card and the thing, we don't know what to say. We don't. Know I know. What, I know. What do we and, do with and, that? You know, the girl behind the counter that I told, I was actually I, like I wrote about it in the book. I was sort of testing. How does this sound? What is this? And what am I going to see? And she was in her twenties. I remember being in my twenties. Mm-hmm. So what? You know. So what? Yeah. yeah. Too much information. Let's just do these glasses. Mm-hmm. That was my reaction because maybe I'm more aware. But it was unusual, let's say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you just have to be prepared for what people say. I don't, you know, people I know are, like you said, different than. Well, thank you for everything you've shared. Anything else you think we should know about the book? I, I do want to talk about how people should find it. But is there something I missed that you wanted to convey about the book or what else it's meant to you or any of those sorts of things that I may have missed? That it's a, a journey and that I'm I'm starting to get feedback about it because I'm only one month into this thing being published and people are sharing things that just blow my mind, like the little things that hit them. Like you said, toothpaste thing for some reason hits a lot of people. I think that's really cute and cool and lovely. Yeah. Well, I think the toothpaste thing actually is just emblematic of all the things that you probably blame the other person for. Little things that you don't think of that seem so small, but yet we all do them. We think we're, you know, pretty perfect than the the other guy. 
And it makes you notice those things when you when you're all of a sudden single. I think the one of the most important things I think is that it can be a really good thing to give to a friend. I think mm-hmm. I think important people tell me it sits on their coffee table. And by the way, it's meant to it's designed in a concept called stickomancy, which is you can open it to any point. You don't yes. read it from beginning to end. Usually it's too much. First right. of all, it's not a page a day type calendar. No, it's not no. chronological or anything like that. But right. I think that um, it's also a really good tool for the friends and family of someone who's going through this because they mm-hmm. don't know. And what, you know what, when you know your friend, you don't have to be told what to say, like you get it and then you mm-hmm. go from there. And I think it, it takes away the question, what can I do for you? Because mm-hmm. you yes. really, really get it. And you know, in your heart, that person and what you can do. So I think it's one of those buy one for yourself and then mm-hmm. give it as a gift. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I did cross my mind that just again, visually, it's so, it's so beautiful. Again, kind of an odd cocktail table book, I suppose, but that would be a good place for it. It'd be interesting after, you know, a while for people who actually use it that way or have it displayed, how people respond to it. Do people pick it up? Are they picking it up or are they, you know, I don't want to put the coaster over here. I don't want to get too close. Well, it's not an easy subject. So no one really wants to dive into it too much unless they can. But I think visually, it's mm-hmm. intriguing, so they might pick it yeah. up. And then once you open it, it, it sort of brings you in just the imagery, even if it you does. don't see it. She's such an awesome designer. She did such mm-hmm. a beautiful job. I'm so grateful. So where can people find the book? How can they get it? So it is on Amazon.com. And it's also on my website, TanyaDietrich.com. You can even get there by thisisgriefbook.com. Like I bought a bunch of URLs just so you could find it. So mm-hmm. either place you can get it. And there's a little bit more about you and how to arrange to have you speak because you are a speaker and an inspirational one. Do you speak on this particular topic or other things as well? So, you know, COVID changed things drastically. So I have always spoken about the power of perspective. It's called, the, my signature speech is called Changing the Blink of an Eye, which God knows I didn't come up with that title. I came up with that before he died. So this just this becomes a part of that. You can contact me on my website. My contact page is, is kind of the easiest place to do that. And I have several things that I can speak about. The other is the whole special needs kids, grandkids thing from mm. that experience. And they all meld into, you know, the my talk. So it can be mm-hmm. changed based on it's integrated, I guess. The, yeah. And your blog, the link to your blog is also there. Yeah. Which again, it just it talks you talk about daily topics of, you know, like the toothpaste thing and just dip your different perspective, which yeah. is very enjoyable. So just so the listeners know, I will be putting all those links to your website, to all the different ways they can find it, as well as your blog on my website, which they can link to when they get this or see it at the various podcast places. Thank you so much for sharing your work. Oh, one more thing. One more thing. One thing I would appreciate, if any of your listeners buy the book, Amazon reviews help so much Mm. to get the word out to other people. So if you're inclined, I would, and it doesn't have to be, 
a glowing review. If that's not your opinion, I'm fine with that. We want engagement. And, and if you can leave a review, that would be lovely. Okay. Get out there. That's a call for me to do one too. Thank you so much, Tanya, for again, for sharing everything and just your story and your openness. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Felicia, for taking the time and the interest. I really appreciate it. Love you. Love you too. Bye. That's it for this episode of Help Me to Understand. If you like what you've heard, please go to our website, helpme2understand.com to listen to more great episodes. Or better yet, subscribe to receive new episodes as they are released. I'm so glad you can join me. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.